Be advised that the information presented today is general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's individual circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. Grease Financial Partners offers investment advisory services and is registered with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the advisory firm by the SEC, nor does it indicate that the advisory firm has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Good evening and welcome to the Greece Financial Partners podcast series. I'm Rob Herman, joined by my colleague, Chief Investment Officer Ken Brodkowitz. Today, obviously, the news is Russia's invasion of Ukraine. First and foremost, our thoughts and prayers go out to the people of the Ukraine. We want to talk briefly, give some background, uh, provide some perspective on the economic impact, and also talk about the markets, and in a related sense, how Greece financial partners are positioned and what we may see moving forward. Uh, so first, let's let's get into a little bit of background. Ken, welcome. And let's talk a little bit about uh, Putin's endgame in Ukraine and specifically the difficulty in, for example, occupying a city of 3 million people in Kiev. Um, I know it's impossible to really know what Putin's endgame is here but any broad perspective you may want to offer is appreciated. Yeah, thanks for the question. Look, obviously, as you suggested, we don't really know what his endgame is. The market, as the day progressed, uh, seemed more convinced that the occupation invasion, call it what you will, will be shorter in duration rather than longer. Obviously, when you look on the TV and you see bombs going off and you see, you know, some collateral damage, it, it looks pretty negative. Um, you know, when when President Biden spoke, and when Europe, European leaders spoke, they made it very clear that sanctions were not going to happen, you know, on the oil and gas assets that Russia has, you know, primarily for the reason that Europe is in a big bind and Europe needs the Russian oil and the Russian gas. So oil reversed $7 off of its high, and the market got a little more copacetic and calm that the worst case scenario for the energy markets won't unfold. Obviously, Europe is still in a big pickle in terms of energy and natural gas went up roughly eight, $9 there today to unheard of levels. But I, I would think, and the market would think that the plan is not necessary to stay there for a very long time. You know, geopolitical, you know, is a little bit outside of our realm, but, you know, clearly since the NATO expansion of the late nineties, this has been a, a sore spot for Russia and for Putin. And the timing is essentially because they have a lot more money now than they used to because of $90 plus oil. And he's flexing his muscle a little bit. But our best conjecture is that this is an issue, you know, more for Russia and more for Europe than the global markets per se. And again, the rally, not that you asked that question specifically later in the day, was more on the inflationary aspect of energy being less than the worst case scenario. Thanks, Ken. And that kind of translates into the, talking about the economic impact. As you mentioned, the obvious one is on the price of oil. Um, that that uh, delta was mitigated somewhat as the day went on. But when we talk about uh, the related inflationary impact and how it may move, you know, some nations and, and certainly here at home, nations into a more difficult economic periods. Do you think that we run a risk of recession based on this global event? And in a related note, how does that impact central bank policy, for example, the current path of, of presumed cuts from the Federal Reserve here at home? Yeah, as with everything, it's a little bit of a two-edged sword. 
So the expectations of a 50-point uh, rate hike in March have basically dissipated, right? The market is now expecting 25 bips, where before this, it was much closer to 50. And if you look at the forward inflation curves, let's say you go five years out, they haven't moved. So in, in essence, the market's thinking this is a little bit more of a shorter-term issue. So one of the reasons we rallied so strongly today, and if you look at the things that rallied the most, call it the FANG stocks, the Amazons, the Googles, the Microsoft. It's because the 10-year treasury went down significantly because people think growth is going to be less. Inflation X energy will be less than what was feared because this will hurt growth, as you suggested, longer term. So the so really all eyes on energy. As long as oil can stay somewhat behaved, then this is more of a positive than not. Because remember, and we spoke about this on our call in January, the biggest impediment, the biggest fear that the market has right now is inflation and the path of interest rate hikes and the path of quantitative tightening by the Fed. So to the extent that could be lessened to some degree because of this geopolitical event and slower growth, that is an offset for something that's obviously a very negative situation and will slow growth. So clearly all eyes on the Fed and the path of interest rates, which has a much bigger near-term impact on the markets than um, the GDP aspect of Russia invading a country that is, in the scheme of things is extremely small. I'm not saying the geopolitical incidence here isn't, isn't significant, because it is, but in terms of global economic input impact of Russia invading Ukraine, it is not that significant. Uh, that, that's well said. And you know, going back to the, the January call that our investment team does, our quarterly call, you talked about a 10% market downside in the first half which proved to be prescient, Ray, with the S&P 500 moving into correction territory just this week, even prior to Russia's invasion. But with, with that in mind, and you, you mentioned on the margin that the news is not necessarily all bad, what do we view as the downside risk from here? And will Ukraine be a primary driver in the months to come of that? Um, certainly the, the perspective early in the day kind of evolved as we hit the close but as we hit the next couple of months and some unpredictability about the geopolitical situation, where, where do you view the risk from here? Yeah, I mean, this was a little reminiscent of the trading in 2008. We had a, roughly a 7% uh, intraday reversal from the lows to the highs in NASDAQ throughout the day. It, it's a little tough to say. So we, I believe on our call, we said roughly 10% or so for the S&P, 20% or so for the NASDAQ. Obviously, we've hit that. And the geopolitical issue with Russia and what's happened to energy prices, you know, could we go down a little bit more? Of course, you did see the VIX spike to close to 40 today and sentiment is very bearish. Today was one of the nastiest short squeezes I've seen in, in a long time. So we think we're mostly through this. And again, not to sound like a broken record, as long as the Fed can be a little more maintained and a little more measured than what people were thinking previously. I think there still is downside. There's going to be tremendous volatility. But I think we're in the later innings of the sell-off. Now, with that said, you know, we are not very bullish on, you know, the, the markets this year for a variety of reasons, which we've discussed in the past. So we don't think there's, there's tremendous upside. Volatility will continue, but we think the downside is getting towards the latter stages. Thanks, Ken. And, and just to tie things up, talking about our client portfolios at Greece Financial Partners, um, can you talk a little bit, you know, we, we talked on the the first quarter uh, call about the way that we uh, approach in a differentiated way, um, you know, kind of low correlation investments uh, to, to hedge risk out. 
can you talk a little bit about how client portfolios are positioned right now and how they may evolve depending on the market situation on the ground? Yeah, I mean, look, clearly this is one of the one of the more difficult times um, to be an investor, but we always preach diversification. And we do have some value, which has done very well. We've spoken about, you know, financials and energy in the past. We do have a lot of energy in our portfolios, a little less financials than we've had in the past because we're a little concerned about the shape of the yield curve and, and, and some other issues. And we also have a lot of fixed income instruments in our portfolios that are floating rate, i.e. they don't get damaged. They actually benefit a little bit when interest rates go up. So this is a tough period, but we do have diversification. We are invested in a lot of idiosyncratic areas that we think can do well while others don't. You know, as an example today, you look at the solar industry or the renewable industry, it had its best day in over six months because people are finally realizing that, you know, solar names are energy names, right? If natural gas is going to get more expensive and oil is going to get more expensive, solar and wind at the margin get cheaper. So we're constantly looking for offsets to what's going on in, in the macro environment. And there are a lot of them out there. We also uh, want to make sure people understand, and we've said this before, that a lot of the, the leading companies in our markets are fantastic companies. Google, Microsoft, Tesla, Amazon. These are first-rate companies, uh, Walmart, first-rate companies that have done a tremendous job um, going through basically the supply chain issues and the labor issues and maintaining their margins. So just I want everyone to keep in mind that we do have some of the most elite companies in the world, and there is a point where the sell-off is too big. And we do think we're past peak inflation. We're not necessarily past peak supply chain, but we're close. And you know, with this sell-off, we do think there would be a little bit more labor supply than there would have been if uh, people had more money in the bank than what's happened the last few months. So we're getting towards the later stages, but a lot of volatility to come. And the more alpha generation and idiosyncratic you can be this year, I think the better. And we're working hard to do that. Yeah. And, and you know, dovetailing on your comments, it seems like we can be opportunistic uh, if prices, if things go on sale enough. We're, we're always looking dynamically and monitoring portfolios to be opportunistic where appropriate, always taking into account that risk paradigm. But also you mentioned the piece about fixed income and floating rate meaning that um, you know, rising interest rates actually benefit floating rate um, vehicles. So there are ways for us to generate yield um, in an idiosyncratic way on the fixed income side, whereas the, the broader fixed income credit indexes are down pretty significantly this year. So it's always to your point about diversification, always identifying those places where we can protect and, and actually generate uh, absolute returns over time. Um, so that's, that's very helpful. I would also tie things up by by echoing a point you made before. We're talking a lot about the economic and market impact of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Um, as you mentioned, there's the geopolitical and human element of that, and we're certainly very well aware of that. Um, so as we think moving forward about client portfolios, we're taking everything into account. Um, the idea, again, of these podcasts is to inform uh, and to give a sense of what's going on from an economic and market perspective. But if you have any follow-up questions for Ken or anyone on the investment team, please don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to talk to you, whether it be in a one-on-one -on -one or, uh, or schedule a, a time to talk or, or uh, answer questions. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you, Ken. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Again, this has been the Greece Financial Partners podcast series.